Welcome to No Room for Phonies, podcast number eight, and we're going to talk about healthy boundaries today, that loving someone is actually about setting or working on healthy boundaries. Um, I just want to start by saying that I'm very sad because um, Claire has had an injury and is dealing with an injury right now, so she's unable to be part of the podcast And I was going to do it by myself for now until uh, we can get things sorted out. But uh, my husband, Charles, has volunteered to talk about this. And although he is not a 50-something woman, he lives with one. So I thought that it would be good for him to to, uh, add his perspective, especially when it comes to the boundaries thing, because throughout our lives, we have dealt a lot with uh, boundaries and uh, I thought we would just start by talking about why we need them and and how does it happen in some like, like do we need to actually explicitly set them with everyone or does it work sometimes that you can that you just boundaries just develop and uh, I think the thing that I've thought about the note most is how important it is to have our own personal boundaries set really well like what are what will I put up with in a relationship and what won't I put up with in a relationship and I think I established that when we were dating dating because we talked about every single thing well, our first date we talked for 14 hours yeah and <laughs> and um we were 30 in our like we were I was 30 when we got married we were like in our late 20s in our late 20s and 30s and um I think I knew what I wanted out of a relationship by then so um I had some things that I would absolutely say no way I can't put up with that like Mm -hmm. I, I won't deal with that I mean we talked about everything how many kids we wanted how we were going to deal with uh, issues as they came up. Oh, with issues, yeah, for and, sure. Um, well, and and I, we, right away, the first date, we were talking about our families, our own family's dynamics. Yeah. And we're very open about what things were like at, from what we understood at that point in at time. At that point, right. And I think we were also open always to getting counseling together, not separately, but together, yeah. so that we could work through things. And I think that um, part of it was that we were in it, we had our own, our moral compass, that we were in it for the long haul, that um, we knew that whatever happened, we were old enough that we were going to be in it for the long haul. So um, it helps us to work on growing as a person, for sure, to have boundaries. And it also allows us to avoid being victimized by other people. And, uh, you know, having a victim mentality where people are always out to get you is a really low form of maturity. Yeah, And you don't want to be in that position, right? Well, and... I don't think that I didn't have the terminology of boundaries no. back then, but I just remember in our in our year that we were dating before we got married. Eleven months, but that's okay. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, that well, we we definitely talked about like what baggage we were bringing in, and 
what how we well we started already talking about how we were going to deal with it yes so for me that was yeah because we all have baggage and we all have stuff that we do that we shouldn't do and i think boundaries become easier and actually sort of explicit the more emotional intelligence that everyone brings to the situation. Because then boundaries are not about um, blaming someone for something. They're about making a relationship better. Right. So you don't have to go at the other person. You just have to say, this is what I need from you right now. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's straightforward and it, it doesn't, it's not hurtful when you, and I guess I'm thinking of um, the boundaries that we set, when with your, my mom yeah. when when your dad died yeah i mean when your mom died we checked on him yeah and um and you called and and it was fine and then after you know roughly after a year then we didn't seem to need to he didn't call us no. as much and it just kind of naturally faded yeah so then when my father died and we were calling my mom every day we thought it would eventually fade and it didn't it didn't and, and it actually started getting unhealthy yeah where it was like she needed you there after work and and we had two little kids and it just we needed to sort out the relationship and we didn't want to hurt her no so we were lucky enough that we had a a counselor at that time you know who could really help us and actually help us to understand that there were some mental health challenges for her Mm -hmm. and so But we were still able to, and I mean, I remember her saying to us, like, I'm really glad we have these boundaries. Yeah. And we never... It took a little while, but it made our relationship healthy and wholesome so that there wasn't strife every time we were together. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I just always remember her saying, you know, because she was, um, it wasn't like, she wasn't really judging, but she would say things like oh, your kids are big and heavy and bad and and I would <laughs> messy be like, and messy and loud. and loud. And I would be like, okay, all right. Not and, any different than any other. And your kids. cupboards are messy and this is this and whatever. And so we just kind of said, you know, let's look for the positive in each other rather than like to always be, you know, talking about the negative. So, I mean, but that was all part of... That was part of her mental health health issues. issues, She she couldn't be... Well, she could be positive about certain things, I guess. But her general modus operandi was just to be negative about everything and everybody. And if it wasn't about her, then it it was really difficult for her. Like, yeah. So, and I think, you know, we're kind of bordering on the next sort of thing I wanted to talk about is what is a toxic relationship. And and you have 100% admitted that there was codependency in your relationship with your mom. And that's a very simple, you know, and codependency, what does that look like? Unrealistic expectations, blaming you, like... Mm -hmm. I got blamed a lot for how she was feeling when it had nothing to do with me or my the problems that she was having adapting to your dad not being around were because I wasn't generous enough with you. Mm-hmm. And it was like, 
Um, and I think sometimes um, you enable someone to just continue a behavior that is immature and you rely and, and sometimes you just rely on another person for your sense of self or sense of identity, which is what she was doing yeah, with you. You absolutely. were everything to her. Mm-hmm. So, And then for me being on the other end of it, I uh, constantly felt guilty. I felt I was hurting her. Yeah. Um, and, well, and <clears throat> the, the mental messages i kept saying to myself was you know i'm i'm her support i'm the the only person that can help her and there's nobody else that's stepping up yeah and i mean and she felt at the beginning like she could not control her behavior like she really felt that there was no way that she could control Mm -hmm. her behavior Mm -hmm. and then i think through her own therapy she realized that you know, your behavior and how you act around people is a choice. And sometimes you can just suck it up and be the person that you need to be for the other person at right. the moment, right? Well, and I mean, when it came to her having little neg- negative digs about you or the kids, I developed like a code with her. Like I would, you know, I would say, you know, sometimes it would just be mom. Yeah. Or I would say, have to say, you know, that's something that we really don't say or... And yeah. it sounded like I was parenting her some, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes, I think. Yeah, but for sure. then she would like, like I could tell by her face that she realized she had screwed up and she regretted it. And then she tried, and then she would kind of compensate with yeah, something, with something. Else. So she, And she I think that, that what it came down to is that we, we developed a really healthy way of communicating in that relationship that still honored her. Mm-hmm. And um, we listened to her and we heard her when yep. she needed to be heard. And we understood where thing, where it was all coming from. But we had tough conversations and we didn't avoid conflict. Right. And she got to the point where she could actually hear that. Yes. and And actually like wanted it to be a mutual mm-hmm. thing where we were... Right. right. And if she if I said something and then she could say, well, I didn't like that. And she had a very abrupt way of saying it. But I could say, oh, I'm sorry. I understand why you didn't like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like we're not per- we weren't none of us were were perfect. But, but just to go back to the what the toxic relationship looks like, I think in a toxic relationship, often I think there's a dominant or domineering person and then a, a subservient type, right like in the relationship if yeah. it's between two people and the person that is has always been in the servant mode or the enabling mode um they are even though they know it and they want the change they are afraid to take the plunge mm-hmm because there's a level of comfort of knowing what's coming and there's also a level of control. Yeah. So yes, it was a negative dynamic, but I knew that if I did this and this, I could control her and everything was but I was it was unhealthy for me too. But right. or I could control my environment. Yes. But then it started getting out of control because her mental health was right was getting so too strong. And plus and, I had 
I had to become healthy because I was now a father and a husband. Right. And you and could, I, and, I, and I, I think that was where we thought like communication, you know, what is the, what are the consequences of doing nothing? And am I willing to accept those consequences? Like if we had not dealt in a healthy, positive way with her mm-hmm. and it was always um, really difficult because she had a person, she had some personality issues. She had a lot of anxiety yeah. and fear yeah. and she always operated from a place of fear. Yeah. And so, um, but we just weren't willing to accept that, you know, our lives we- that we were going to live within this toxic. No. And, and she was willing the- to, like, I've been involved in other relationships where the other people are just not willing to, you know, kind of step up and take their role in it. Right. And, and it, it's a lot more difficult. You have to then use your own emotional intelligence to get through that. I mean, yeah. and however you're going to sort it out. And you have to sort out your own ego. It can't be about, like... Because your ego can't get in the way of a solution. No, exactly. Because you have to be able to say, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sort of not, I do this and this and this too, and I need to stop. Because I, I had a lot of those feelings about, you know, I I have a quick wit and a quick way of saying things, and I could easily put her in her place lots of times. Right. And I, that wasn't Right. Because that was just my ego wanting to feel like I was superior. And that's, that was, Mm. that's not, that's not kind. Mm. Like, that's not kind. (laughs) I forgot to turn off the notification. And I think the other thing is um, in communication, you have to ask yourself the question, do you, we really have the right to have the conversation and your motive for having the conversation has to be that you want everyone in the situation to grow. Like right. everybody mm-hmm. to become healthier and better and different. And it's not about putting someone else down. No. So I think that... Well, and I mean, thinking beyond the situation with my mom, just situations with friendships that we've been in or community organizations that we've been in where the boundaries are... Not just person to person, but person to institution. Yeah. Like when I, when we first had young kids and I was always expected to go out evenings to practice music with the music group and stuff like that. And I said, no, I'm a dad now. I'm not going to. And the other men in the group were like, what are you talking about? You have your wife at home. And I'm like, no, that's just not appropriate. And I had to set up boundaries with like a cultural mentality of... And I mean, eventually we had to leave that Yes, because I, I didn't want my sons to because we, we adopt didn't, that behavior. Yeah, so... And I think there are a lot of places where people... Like, I am a person that can discuss the undiscussable. Like, I want to talk it through until everybody gets a chance to say their thing, but until everybody feels heard. Yeah, I mean, not so much. And him not so much. <laughs> You know, so and I I have come to the point where, yes, you know, and I think one of the things that I have learned over the years, and I think that it it just comes with maturity, is that you have to set an emotional tone for the conversation. Because if you don't, you have to sit down and say, 
we do not want to hurt anybody. And there's a few things we need to say, but, you know, and, and, you know, we need these things from you because boundaries are not, are about what I need from you. Yes. Based on what my own personal boundaries are. They aren't about putting somebody in their place and telling them they can't do something. No, it's about, I need respect for this or I need your patience with this. I need your silence about that. Yeah. And the emotional tone of the conversation. And I think that's where things go awry sometimes is because the emotional tone is not, um, which comes to, you know, how, you know, everybody talks about my mindfulness, right? Yeah. And so I think you have to be really mindful in the way that you do that. And I think you have to say, Like, I think some of the things I've learned is that I would never set boundaries with somebody without saying, is it okay if we have a conversation about boundaries? There's just a few things that we'd like to talk about. And uh, that way you're prepared for it. Because Mm -hmm. in some of the situations that I've dealt with in my life, I've been blindsided by things. And I don't think it's ever fair to blindside somebody with something. Well, even thinking about like, workplace situations where you have meetings and then somebody says oh, okay we're having a meeting at this time but you don't get an agenda you don't know what's going to be talked yeah. about and it's just frustrating because you mm-hmm. you go there and you don't really know and if it's going to be a heavy meeting that's yeah. even worse showing up so right. it's just where the the tone needs to be set before and i end. think you also um And part of like, and as a principal, I never had a meeting without an agenda. All my meetings had agendas and all of my meetings has minutes. Mm -hmm. Because after you've had the meeting, and I mean, it's not that formal, I guess, sometimes. But when we worked with your mom, it was very formal. Yeah. Like we wrote things down and we gave her a a chance to read them and understand them and ask us questions. And we made those and Vis- we, we made those visits specifically. We're, we're just coming f- to talk. There was no food. There was no coffee. Yeah. Like we had to make sure for her sake, it had to be an, a, like a special occasion uh-huh. so that the gravity of it would yeah. sink in. And I mean, you know, using the comparison of like a meeting at work, like you have to be clear. And so in the only way that you get clarity is by actually writing things down and then giving the other person a chance to go away and say, "Yeah, you know, I don't understand this, or I'm not sure about this, or what does this really mean? And then to be flexible enough to go, yeah, well, maybe that's a little extreme. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm expecting a lot from you and not much from me. Right. Because those boundaries that we set with her, they were also about us. Like, we went out of our way to make sure that we did things with her yeah in a positive and different way absolutely in order to so and you have to take the person where they're at emotionally with Mm -hmm. emotional maturity and with their own mental health right well and i think also about mindfully communicating is today's like texting and messaging and fast with no tone of voice Mm -hmm. known like you can totally miss the boat and interpret all sorts of things and And I think um, boundaries should also not be about just getting what you want, right? Like boundaries should be about making a relationship better. 
And that's... Well, in the case of my mother, I wanted to still honor her as a parent. But if I'm with a friend, it's not about honor. No. It's about maintaining... Uh, I get just maintaining a friendship or a relationship. You know, and I have friendships where they're very surface and you just go for coffee and you talk about stuff. And then I have friendships where we really speak into each other's lives and challenge our thinking and do all those things. Well, that's one thing that's nice for women because most guys don't have those deeper level relationships. We have been lucky in our relationship in that that is how we have maintained it. Well, like that, we don't. yeah, but I also, I've always wanted that. And yes. I mean, from a guy's point of view, good luck finding a guy in his 50s who wants to open up about what he's struggling through and yeah. midlife well, issues. Yeah, and you mortality. should start a whole podcast just on <laughs> men in their 50s. <laughs> mortality and all those yeah. kinds of things. Which women but, talk about those things. Yes. Like... Not, I don't talk about that with every friend I have no, as a woman. No, I understand. But women talk about those things, absolutely. And I, you know, I like the phrase, it's a biblical phrase of iron sharpens iron. Because, you know, you have those relationships that, that really sharpen you as a person. And, mm. you, and you really want to have those conversations. And then you have surface relationships. Yeah. And I have a tendency to enjoy deeper relationships more where I challenge things and I give my opinion and you know I have some a couple of really good friends that are like really good at that and Mm -hmm. no one gets upset Mm -hmm. and you know we have those conversations where I'll say something and you'll challenge it well I don't want you to do that or I, I don't think that's right or whatever and I think that's why we've been able to grow in our relationship because absolutely that's how well, we don't. That is the basis for our relationship. Yes. Well, I think because we had that fourteen-hour date right from yeah. the start, we kind of knew we that set, we, would we set the able, tone. We would be able to continue that. Um, and I think it's hard to set boundaries. Like we felt when we were setting boundaries with your mom, it wasn't comfortable for any of us. No, I think we were smart to take it. All of us go to a counselor and sit down and do it. Like in a yeah, more formal... to have a mediator there was very Was important. really good. And uh, it's risky in a relationship. It makes you take a hard look at yourself. Yeah. And sometimes you have to say, okay, that's fine, whatever. Because of the what the other person needs at that moment. You can't mm-hmm. just be thinking about well, you know, I yourself. Think, I think people with more maturity or emotional intelligence are able to listen and accept and hear right without you know and i also think that we accepted some of the boundaries that your mom had back too yes we did like she said well i need this and i need that and we were like okay that's fine we can that's not a problem we're gonna if you've got some stuff that you want to put up as boundaries that's great too and we Mm want to hear those things right Mm -hmm. so it was just (laughs) yeah sorry i'm thinking about those the expectations too but yeah there was 12 (laughs) pages of expectations when when she actually wrote them down but you know that was where that's where she was at you know with uh with i don't know with your with your dad we never got a chance to do that kind of thing no because he just well he he was such a in such a bitter place in his life, yeah. and he also was dealing with a whole situation, you know, yeah. with his 
second wife and my sister and my brother. Like there was just too much. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there was just too too much. And I think think sometimes when um, we were dealing with that situation with your mom, we really felt judged for doing that. Mm -hmm. Oh, by family members, mm -hmm. her family members, my extended family. Yeah, absolutely. But we... um, that was fine. That was that was totally fine. Well, but, those that would would listen, we told and explained, and some and then they were fine. Yeah. Some accepted with more with grace, and others couldn't get their heads. Well, and I it, think but. the other thing is that we were able to say, "Hey, these were calm, gentle conversations mm-hmm. that were just where we were coming to her with love. We were not um, bringing like we were not blaming her for things. We were not." Like going at her, yeah, and we were just asking, moving forward, mm-hmm. that that that's how it it happened. And I mean, I guess um, you know you can look at it from the role of a, of the, how different it is, but um, oh, go ahead about the expectation of us happen because of our roles. Like I'm thinking of as a wife and mother. And and have I allowed codependence or lack of self-preservation to happen to me? And I would one like I'm a helper person. Like that's my personality. I like to do things for other people. But and, we, I mean, as far as our kids are concerned, I don't think we ever let them become codependent. No, we don't have codependent relationships with our kids. Absolutely not. But. I have felt taken advantage of, but that's a norm. I think that's a normal thing for a mother to, yeah. to and a father at Mom, times. I think I think women experience that a little bit more because either culturally or instinctively or whatever. A lot, not all women, of course, but a lot of women. Like my mother didn't, but you know, like a lot of women take that nurturing. Mm-hmm. giving self-sacrificing role yep a lot and i think we just feel resp- and i think because of the way women are we feel responsible for everybody's happiness yes cuz right like yes, I, because of the the relational uh outlook on you know maintaining relationships yeah. and like i was saying about guys before you know so few guys are willing to get down and dirty and be honest on a relational level with another guy a friend whatever or their wives like Mm -hmm. they shut down they and um so i think some of those expectations happen and then i think in some cases um like because well this is you and me (laughs) like when you see a need you jump in and do it and timing wise you make it a priority to get it done and i might see the need but i shuffle it to lower down on my priority list or sometimes i don't even see the need right but then and the then, other part of that is though that sometimes i should see a need or somebody asks me to do something and i should actually really say you know no i can't do that yeah. and you'll have to figure that out but when it's my kids and they ask me to do something, no matter how hard, stressful, or, 
you know, kind of like outside of my comfort zone for that moment, it is, Mm -hmm. I just suck it up and do it. And I I think that, you know, maybe... And I mean, I've tried to do that too. I think being a stay-at-home dad taught me that there really is no out there's no out for mm-hmm. you when you were when you were the parent that's there so you know and I also think that um I can be explicit about my needs with you yes. but my kids aren't necessarily mature enough to hear what I explicitly need and give it to me no yeah exactly right and and also I think I live in a household of men right yep. and so my needs get shuffled down because just that's be- just <laughs> there it's, is it's that slight inherent selfishness on a lot of part you know and you know and i don't, I don't think I that don't, men are always selfish no like and, we I, are I, looking- and i don't think that whatever but oh mom will do it mom mom will take responsibility for this or mom will make sure this happens or mom mom loves to cook so let her go yeah you know, instead of saying, hey, maybe mom would like to be, you know, treated to something or mm-hmm. something should happen or whatever. It mm-hmm. it just isn't the way. And part of it is your my own way of doing things, right? right. Because I just do it. Yep. And so everybody sits back and lets me do it and thinks, well, that's what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. And I do. But, you know, I think you just and you look at people and you say, well, can't you see that? Everybody needs a break sometimes, but no, I know. sometimes not. So, but here, you know, do we allow codependence or like if you don't preserve yourself and set up those boundaries, even with your kids and your husband? Yeah, then you are just... in a, you know, it's a form of codependency. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I like particularly now I've, I'm, I'm really gonna be focused like I I think that's an area where I really need to focus on is just saying nope I don't want to do that no I'm sorry today I I'm not up to this today I want to do this this and this so Mm -hmm. you know and because nobody is doing it back like I don't there's not great sacrifice happening on for me no so and I mean, I don't do what I do to get something back, but also you have to um, maintain a balance between what you value right. and what is appropriate to give to others. Right. So if you're the one making all the concessions and compromises all the time, then that's not healthy. No. Right. But if both people are respecting, you know, your values and beliefs and the others are not asking and somebody's not asking you to do something that's outside of that, mm-hmm. then. And that whole idea that I have lots of friendships where we don't share the same political views, we don't share whatever, mm-hmm. and we agree to disagree and we are closer friends yeah. than some of the people who won't agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. And that's the authentic self, right? Like you have to be authentic or else what's the point? And you have to consult and consider each other. You can't just blurt things out without thinking of the impact on the other person. And, I, and I'm opinionated, so I know I have done that. And sometimes, and I guess what I would expect and what I do 
for the most part with people that I consider that are healthy enough to do it as I expect them to say, don't say that. That hurt my feelings. We do that with each yep, other. Absolutely. Like the first few years when you went back to work and I stayed home with the kids, you would come home and you would be outspoken about how I had done the laundry or planned the meals or not planned the meals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, our children were clothed and not injured and yeah. had learned some more school skills and whatever. I just did it my way instead of your yeah. way. Yeah. And so. I think it comes with maturity now because if we, if I was now, if we had little kids now, it, I, you know, I was glad that I had kids in my 30s because in mm-hmm. my 20s, it would have been, I think in your 20s, you're feeling your oats, as my father used to say. <laughs> good old hopefully fa- good not, farmer. Uh, hopefully not, not seeding, sowing, sowing your, your oats, oats, but you're feeling it <laughs> yeah. and you're pushing for that independence. And so I think sometimes you just have to let your kids have that independence and mm-hmm. it hurts sometimes because... Um, and often I've read that it often for kids who didn't really rebel in their teens, then, then there's a level of rebellion that happens in their twenties. And so you just have to, you know, there's a thing that I, um, maybe it, it would be a good thing to end with. It's actually, um, one of my favorite, um, sayings about, about life and I just sent it to a friend uh, the other day and she was like yeah that is like so true but it's um uh I want to be able to find it's okay we can but oh it just says life is amazing and then it's awful and then it's amazing again and in between the amazing and the awful it's ordinary and mundane and routine Breathe in the amazing, hold on through the awful, and relax and inhale during the ordinary. That's just living, heartbreaking, soul-healing, amazing, awful, ordinary life. And then it's breathtakingly beautiful. And that was written by... doesn't have who wrote that on there. I didn't want to take credit, so I just put it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so... I just think that that is, you know, there's, and I, I'm not a big person for posting things on, um, Facebook and things because I'm just like, okay, well, who is that message for? And why are you posting this? And, you know, people, it's just, I don't know. I think there's a moment where you just put too much on. Yeah. Facebook. Like it's just kind of. You mean like, boundaries for what you post? Yeah. Boundaries for what you post on Facebook. Yeah, for sure. But I think that does say it all about life. Life is, that is just life. Yeah. And in the book, um, Fit at Midlife, she talks about life as life comes. And just that whole saying, it is what it is. And you just have to, it is what it is. And we all, you know, are. In, we ha- you have to embrace your mistakes and move forward and realize that sometimes you have to just say, I'm sorry, even when it's not you that should be saying you're sorry at all. Right. Because that's what moves us forward. Mm-hmm. 
And I also listened to a podcast about moving on, the difference between moving on and moving forward. If you move on, it means that you've like... Like swept it under the rug? Yeah, and you're done. Okay. But when you move forward, you just move forward with the learning Mm -hmm. and the love and the whatever that you've gotten from that. You just, you move forward with everything that you've, all the good and positive things that came from it. Right. You move forward with that and that's what makes you a better person. So I think that's what we... That's a good... What we want to be. Absolutely. Well, we'll, I'll post this for February 1st. It's January, is it the 31st of January today? Yeah, it is. So... Um, and we will be back. I don't, it, I don't, it won't be a husband and wife thing every time. Sometimes it might just be me on my own and sometimes I will bring in somebody, but um, I'm going to soldier on and uh, I'm going to miss the contact, but I want to find some fun ways to support uh Claire, and if you want to send her your, her best, your best wishes, you can certainly do that through Facebook twitter or instagram because we're on all those plus there's an email address so if you want to send some best wishes to her i'm sure that would be appreciated